WhatsApp Wrestling Fans! Ah, it's that time for them boys from 607 Podcast to talk all things pro wrestling. It's time for this week's edition of 607 TWS. Not live on twitch.tv slash 67 podcast. Sorry about that. But you can hear us anywhere you get great podcasts right now by searching 607 TWS. And also, we are not coming to you from the 8122 Productions Studios at Dragon Master Games. No, instead, we are coming to you from the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Studio. Yes. In lovely Binghamton, New York. Live from the 607, as we always do. Exactly. Exactly, but a little bit of changes because of the holiday weekend. Of course, I am one of your hosts here at 607 Podcast on Twitch slash 607 Podcast, and I'm also the host of the Three Fat Nerds Podcast. My name is Rich, and joining me as he does each and every week, the other host here at 607 Podcast on Twitch, but you better know him as the host of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast, better known as the ODPH. I'm talking about Ken M. 607 Podcast fam, what is happening? What is going on? What is good? Happy 4th of July weekend for everybody in the States. And if you're listening internationally, thank you for tuning in this week. Absolutely. And of course, once again, we are only doing a podcast form and getting it out to the masses because of the holiday. And, uh, you know, because of which we were not going to go live on Twitch on Monday because... That is July 4th in the States, mm-hmm. Independence Day, big barbecue day, family day, and I know we have plans here yes. in the 607 Podcast family to spend with our families, and hopefully all of you are doing that in the States, and if you are an international listener, hope you're just having a great week. Mm-hmm. Indeed. But, and there's a lot to have, have a great week and joy about, especially in the world of pro wrestling, as you know, we are the podcast that calls it right down the middle. The most impartial podcast in pro wrestling today. If you came looking for bum fuzzling, this is not the place. No, 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 no. No, this is the place to get the real deal, the best opinions in all of pro wrestling because their true opinions never wavering. Mm -hmm. And I am glad that you choose to spend however long it is that you spend with us each and every week because obviously the times vary. Uh, So we are very thankful for those things coming into this, but, but... I must digress. We have a lot to talk about. In the main event of this show, we have we're going to be talking about news. Since there's no big, uh, uh, you know, show coming up, we're going to be talking about news, including the big signing of Logan Paul yes. to World Wrestling Entertainment. Also, we will be talking about the future of the cleaner Kenny Omega, which kind of scary. We'll be talking about that, mm-hmm. amongst other things. In the main event, a couple big news stories. Of course, in the mid card of the show, we will be talking about the GCW Wrestling Weekend. Four shows in five days. Unfortunately, we will not be talking about Backyard Wrestling because that has not happened yet, but Correct. the other three shows. Plus, we will also be looking forward to next weekend's Settlement Series Volume 1 plus the JCW show as well. And But in the opening contest, we will be talking WWE Money in the Bank. Money, money, money. Money! But before all that, before we dive in, 
Ken M. Tell the fine folks how to find yourself and the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Very simple. If you want to find out everything going on with the ODPH, and I hope you do, swing on over to ODPHpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page. Check out Parlay Points. New blogs count anywhere is up right now. A complimentary piece to 607TWS and the ODPH podcast. The T Public Store. The classified section where you can find out friends of the show, such as 8122 Productions, the directory, anything and everything that is the ODPH can be found at odphpodcast.com. And of course, if you're trying to find the three fat nerds and anything we do, go to 8122productions.com. All the information is right there, including our uh, T Public store. It was, we have that as well. Of course, there's also the links to the Twitch channel that you normally hear this show on. There is links to all of our social medias. Quick little plug for that. It's Three Fat Nerds Pod. Throw an at in front of it if you must. And also there's the link there for the Patreon if you would like to support everything we do here at 8122productions slash 607podcast. Monetarily, you can do that at patreon.com slash 8122productions for as little as $1 a month. And you get a ton of extra bonus content as our thank you for the support and alas, but certainly not least, uh, you can also find the director. You can find friends of the show like the ODPH. Also, friends of the show like Sci-Fi Horror Fest going mm-hmm. down August 26th and 27th from Vernon Downs Casino in Vernon, New York. Check it out, SciFiHorrorFest.com for all ticketing information and everything going on there. As well as you can find out about the local section. Yes. Where our local sponsors who help us bring you this show each and every week, commercial-free exists, including our good friends at Dragon Master Games. Remember, for all your Magic the Gathering gaming needs, visit them on the World Wide Web, DragonMasterGames.com. All right, that's enough shilling. That's mm. enough about us. Now it is time to get into the thing that you guys came here to see. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I give you Ken M's favorite part of the show because... It's time! That's right, it is time to start off this episode of 607 TWS. And we are going to start it off by talking about money and the bank, which went bound this past Saturday, uh, July the 2nd. Live from the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, Nevada, and only available on the Peacock. Cock, cock, the, the Peacock. peacock. Cock. I should get that in the board just to have fun with it. But with that being said, let's talk about the show, shall we? Let's do this. The opening contest of Money in the Bank was the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. Winner got a women's uh, contract for a women's championship match anytime in the next fiscal year. And that match got 16 minutes and 35 seconds. And at the end of the day, your Ms. Money in the Bank, Liv Morgan, as she defeated Alexa Bliss, Asuka, Becky Lynch, Lacey Evans, Raquel Rodriguez, and Shotzi to claim the Ms. Money in the Bank throne. Ken M., how did you feel about the women's Money in the Bank ladder match? I love the outcome. Liv Morgan was long overdue to get a real push like this. Super happy for her. Thought the match went very well. I can only kind of really think of one negative spot and that was when uh, Becky Lynch did the ladder spot and she completely overshot where she was jumping on the outside but take nothing away from the rest of the body of work that was going on in that match I thought every competitor brought it and Liv won, so I was super excited about that. Yeah, I, I agree. There were some good spots in the match. There was also some little uh, slider spots in the match. Overall, though, it was a great uh, – mm-hmm. it, it was a good opener. I like uh, how it brought it. The crowd got into it, especially when Liv Morgan eventually won the match. To a lot of people's surprises. I was shocked. Uh, and I was very glad that they went that route as well. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling we'll be talking more about Liv Morgan later on this card. Dun, dun, dun. Of course, uh, the next match up on the card was for the WWE United States Championship. 
your champion theory defending against the almighty Bobby Lashley. This match got 11 minutes and 5 seconds. And at the end of the day, we had and new WWE United States champion Bobby Lashley. Kenem, how'd you feel about this match? Shocked at the outcome. I was not expecting this. I thought Theory would retain by reasons. But this was a really good match. I thought they had really good chemistry in the ring. And to see where Lashley's going from here with the belt, I think is going to be a good idea. I thought this was a very good match. I'm a big Bobby Lashley fan. Mm-hmm. I remember there was a time where I wasn't. But I know. I've become but... a big Bobby Lashley fan. Listen, whatever you feel about the guy outside of the ring, whatever you feel about the guy, you know, as far as his push or whatever it is, and we, we are going to talk about that more later in the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but... Austin Theory still delivers in the ring. Yes. At the end of the day, he's a very capable hand. Went out there, had a great match with Bobby Lashley. Once again, showing why Bobby Lashley is still in that top-tier performer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll tell you what, man. I, I I think big things are coming for the new United States champion, Bobby Lashley. Fully agree. Next up, we had another title match. The WWE Raw Women's Championship was on the line as your WWE Raw Women's Champion, Bianca Belair, defended against Carmella. This match got a little bit less time, 7 minutes and 10 seconds at the end of the day. And still, your WWE Raw Women's Champion, Bianca Belair. Ken M, once again, how was this match for you? Uh, As expected. I think, obviously, with the switch-up and plugging Carmella due to Rhea Ripley's injury, I thought this match was, I, I hate saying the word filler, but it was very predictable of the direction they were going. I did like how they were teasing that Bianca was hurt at the end of the match, so maybe Liv would cash in then. And it didn't happen, so I was I was perfectly fine with this match. I mean, it did its purpose. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I will say this. Carmella is definitely, for all the detractors out there, I would say Carmella is the equivalent of a Dolph Ziggler or the Miz Fully as far agree. as you can plug and play her in anywhere uh, for any match at any time. If you need a suitable fill-in, Carmella is going to give you that. She is very capable in the ring. She is also very entertaining. Once again, I'm, you know, my, my dissatisfaction when we talked about this match last week was more based upon the fact of not how good she is, but in the fact of it's like, man, I wish we had a build. But obviously, yeah. the injury bug bit Rhea Ripley. Therefore, they had to do what they had to do. And I thought we got a good match. We're not going to get a long match, like for some mm-hmm. people. Oh, yeah. There's nobody's going to believe that Carmella is going to fight off the best athlete in the World Wrestling Entertainment, period. And, and especially with no storyline, too. But I love how you made that comparison to Dolph Ziggler because I fully agree with that. And to think about wrestlers who have vastly improved over time, Carmella has been putting the work in, whether you're a fan of her or not. She comes in there and is definitely given 110%, and it shows how much she's invested into the craft. Absolutely. And this is why she gets put in these situations. So, you know, more power to her about this. I, I agree 110% with you. Uh, next up, we had another title match. Of course, it was for the WWE Undisputed Tag oh, Team oh, Championships. Oh, 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 oh. Of course, your champions coming in, the Usos, defending against the Street Profits. This match was the longest not ladder match on the card at 23 minutes. And at the end of the day, and still the WWE Undisputed Tag Team Champions of the World, the Usos. I want to throw this out there. This tag match has been as good as any tag. I'm not going to say it's better than some of the ones we've seen already. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm already on record saying that FTR versus the Briscoes is still my tag match of the year. Oh, yeah. And possibly match of the year, period. Uh, but I'll tell you what, this match, I think it's top five this year. I, if, if, if you're sleeping on this match because it's World Wrestling Entertainment, I don't know what to tell you. The Profits were awesome. The Usos were awesome. I think any both of these teams can mix it up anywhere Against any team, your thoughts. We often forget how WWE can do tag team wrestling when they want to. 
And this is prime example when they let two really talented teams just go out there and tell their own story. Because we didn't really need that much of a buildup because the Usos have been fighting everybody in the tag team division for years. Street Profits, Agreed. ever since they've come up, have always been an instant contender. And they're a team that they don't need a lot of storyline to get put in to work a great match. Montez Ford, I'm telling you what, I got a feeling is going to be the breakout singles wrestler of this year and the latter half or possibly next year with how much work he's been putting in. And it shows how both him and Angelo Dawkins can really have a great solo career if they want to go that route. But the fact that we still have them together, they told an amazing story. This is a match of the year candidate. I agree with you. FTR and the Briscoes was is still my number one for tag matches because it had more of a deeper storyline to it. But this is no shame in coming in number two right now. Oh, absolutely not. I'll, I'll tell you what. I, I I appreciate these two tag teams. They can mix it up like none other. And like I said, uh, WWE does not pay attention to the tag division. We're not going to pretend they do. Uh, they treat the tag division the way AEW treats the women's division. Let's mm-hmm. be honest. Let's, yeah. let's all talk honest here. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I will say this. Just like in AEW in the women's division, sometimes you hit a home run still. Absolutely. Sometimes the talent outshines it. The cream is always going to rise to the top. And in this situation, you have two of the very best tag teams in the world. I mean this. I feel like these teams could walk into any other company, any other promotion that has great tag teams and compete, and you'd believe it. Mm-hmm. Oh, fully. So uh, kudos that they got that opportunity. Once again, I'm not I'm not upset that the Usos are still champions. I figured they would be. No, I, the only thing I would say if I was going to take anything away from this match is there wasn't a stipulation, just because we've seen them fight to, uh, together before so many times, I'm wondering if they're going to do that for SummerSlam, because especially when they had the weird finish of Montez uh, Ford's shoulder was up, and it was technically the referee missing the count. So I'm wondering if they would do something like if the Street Profits get one more opportunity, but they have to put their team on the line. Like, if they lose, then they have to go their separate ways. I wouldn't be surprised, because I really do believe that both of these men are going to be going single style. Mm-hmm. I think the breakout star will definitely be Montez. I think he's going to be a top star in the business oh, yeah. in the near future. Uh, but I could also see Dawkins being a great hand as well. I do, too. I think they both have a big future in their singles career if they decide to go that route. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's go on to the next match. It was another title match. Look at that. Title match after title match after title match. Hey, now. As it is for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship, your champion, Rowdy, Ronda Rousey, defending against Natalia. This match got 12 minutes and 30 seconds at the end of the day, and still WWE SmackDown Women's Champion, Ronda Rousey. How did you feel about the match between her and Natalia? Uh, solid match. I, I thought that Natalia definitely stepped her game up for this one, but Ronda was doing more of her MMA style for this uh, match, which I thought it was a good counterbalance because especially we know, obviously, the Hart family, the submission specialists that they are. I thought it was a great you know back and forth between them both. So it definitely told a good story for what we had. I like the technical wrestling aspect of this match and seeing two women go out there and, and absolutely technical wrestle. Uh, you don't see that a ton, mm-hmm. you know, uh, quite honestly. And I thought that they did a very good job there. Was there some slip-ups? Absolutely. Yeah, sure, but... Uh, Ronda's not exactly the most rounded wrestler ever. However, I thought she did very well in this match, and I thought Natalia was very good in this match as well. I love the finish, by the way. Mm-hmm. I love the ankle lock. Looks like it's over. And somehow Natalia turns it into the sharpshooter. But then out of nowhere, Ronda reverses it into that straight arm bar. Yeah. Almost a choke even with the feet. She great. She, the way she levels her, her feet against the neck, it was like she was choking her with the neck while barring down at that arm. And I, I actually believe it or not, I thought that the way Natalia tapped was very realistic, especially in an MMA form. You know, because it, was, it wasn't it was a long wait, but it was long enough to like, okay, can I get out? Oh, no, I can't. Yeah, tapped. there is that little dash of realism. 
Oh, absolutely. That really helped elevate that storyline for this. So kudos to them mm-hmm. uh, and, and pulling that off. But that's not the big story from the no. Smash Kingdom. Because after the match, after this war that Ronda Rousey had and she defended her WWE Women's SmackDown Championship, after she was against the ropes and she could barely stand because her leg hurt from the match, the music of one live Morgan Ms. Money in the Bank hits and she runs to the ring and she cashes in the Money in the Bank briefcase and she says, let's go. They ring the bell. They announce that it's going down. Liv Morgan goes for a kick and she gets instantly caught in an ankle lock. Oh, this was fantastic. And I went, oh no. Yeah. Oh no, they're gonna they're just gonna take it right away for the the happy moment. And so didn't the crowd in attendance. The booze, the booze that went out for this ankle lock. And this ankle lock, even though it was only on for about 20 seconds, it felt like forever. Am I wrong? No, I was watching this with the dog, uh-huh. and both of us were losing our minds going, Oh no, don't you dare do this to live. Don't you dare do this to live. I have to say that this cash in has to be in my top three of all time. I like how they told the story. Yeah. By the way, this is only 35 seconds. Uh-huh. That's why I said that 20 seconds, it's about 20 seconds in the ankle lock. Felt like forever. Yeah, it felt like. And the crowd was vehemently booing. And then she turns it around. She hits a move. And one, two, three, your new WWE Women's SmackDown champion, Liv Morgan. And the childhood dream comes true. Yes. As she, uh, the emotion was wild. The crowd, uh, first of all, let me say this. The former champion, Ronda Rousey, class act. Uh Uh-huh, fully. And you could tell that she wanted this to be Liv's moment because she did the the right thing. She handed her the belt, gave her the big hug, raised the hand, and got out of the ring. And I thought that that was perfect because it was cementing that, oh, I didn't get robbed. It was a clean, mind you, Ronda, who's a fan of kicking out at three and a half Mm -hmm. to show that, okay, I lost, but, you know, it was close, did not. Yeah. She left the shoulders down. She didn't try to kick out at all. So, first of all, beautiful, clean finish. Then awards her the belt. You almost think she's going to do the heel thing, and you're like, oh, great. Here we go. But instead, she said, nope. And, and you could use it, and you could read the lips. She said, you deserve this, and gave her a big hug and kiss on the cheek, and she got out of the ring. And then the crowd let her know as they started chanting, you deserve this. It was phenomenal. It was one of those moments that you wait for, and the eruption from the crowd when the hand hit three. Mm-hmm. Like, when she turned it around, when she hits the move, when she goes for the cover, the crowd is, you know, on the brink. They're counting one, two, and when they said three, it was that eruption, that raw, like, yes moment. And it was a beautiful moment. I thought this. these are the moments you look forward to as a wrestling fan, in my opinion. A star was born. Like, Absolutely. And that's the thing, that if you don't follow what Liv has been doing, and I mean, ever since they dissolved the Riot Squad, she has been putting in the work, and she has done everything they've asked her to do to elevate her game. She's been—you can definitely tell in the ring. Her in-ring work has been so vastly improved that this was just a crowning achievement of hard work pays off. And that raw emotion too, especially when she came in and it looked like Ronda was going to get the win, and then the air went out of the room, and you just heard like everybody just the emotions pouring out on Twitter, on social media. And in that arena, and then to see Liv pull that big win out, it's a moment that everybody will remember. Fantastic. Yes. Fantastic. But that leaves us with our main event of the evening, the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. This match got 25 minutes and 25 seconds. (laughs) It's kind of symmetrical there. Before we talk about the match and who won, I want to point out, I appreciated this. I don't know if anybody else appreciated it, but I appreciate this. We had all seven competitors in the ring. And then Adam Pierce comes out. 
Mm-hmm. Now, rumors for weeks. Cody Rhodes is going to make it back. Somehow, some way, even if it's only to come out and to get the briefcase, he's going to make it back. That was my call. Right. I, no, yeah. And I'm not just taking shots to you. I'm just saying, but that was the internet groundswell. People believe this. Mm-hmm. So when Adam Pierce comes out and says, hey, we're in Vegas. It's been a great show. The only thing I can think of that's better than seven is eight. So we're adding another member to this match in the crowd starts the buzz. Cause they're like, it's going to be Cody. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be Cody Rhodes. He's coming back, baby. We're going to see the moment. And then the disappointment as he announces theory has been added <laughs> to the match. Oh. <laughs> and listen, man, we're going to talk more about theory at the end of this, sure. obviously, but I just want to say hundred percent grade a Great troll moment from WWE, in my opinion. I'm sorry. Oh, no. No, they definitely played this up, right? Because everybody knew Cody was coming. I was ready to start screaming, adrenaline in my soul. Something, something, Cody wrote. And then when they pulled this out, I went, oh, man. Well played. I was mad because I was so hoping it was Cody. Because <laughs> you got got. Yeah, because, I yeah, they got me. So, well done, WWE. I give you all credit for this. And to see Theory come out, I mean, this just plays into his character, man. This is so perfect. By the way, at the end of the day, Theory did win the Money in the Bank to become Mr. Money in the Bank by defeating Drew McIntyre, Mad Cat, Moss, Omos, Riddle, Sami Zayn, and Seth frickin' Rounds, and Sheamus, I mm-hmm. forgot. By the way, there was a lot. Honestly, this was a good match. I enjoyed this ladder match. This is one of the, I, I think this is probably one of the best men's ladder matches we've had in a while for I, the Money in the Bank. I agree. You know who the MVP of this match was? was Riddle. Riddle was super good. Yeah. I would also say Madcap Moss. He definitely Definitely impressed. had a star-making moment there. Uh, you know what? For all that for all that is said and done, Omus, I thought he did a good job at what he needed to do. And I loved that power. Everybody power bombed him through a table. Yeah, that was perfect. <laughs> it was that was cool. I thought that was, after hitting him with everybody's finish or signature. Uh, and I thought the veterans in the match, like Seth Rollins and Sheamus. Really added something, and we can't forget about Butch. No, Butch is he, he is the most underrated member of this whole roster Butch, right now. Butch gets involved in the best part, of course, as I told you earlier, Pat McAfee. That son of a bitch, Butch. Somebody get him. <laughs> it's so good. I, I, I like it on so many levels. But I thought this match was very well. I even liked how we came into the ending of the match. There was a moment I thought that Sami Zayn was winning. I did too. Legitimately, I thought Sami Zayn was winning the match, and I went, "Holy shit! They're going to make Sami Zayn Mister Money in the Bank." And like, I'm like, "Oh, the storylines are going to be great from here, right?" And then, you know, we got the swerve, and then I'm like, "Okay, the MVP of the match, Riddle, Mm -hmm. he's going to be the winner." And then not so much because Theory steals one, and of course, the crowd proceeded to boo as they should, and the internet. Yep. And now this is where we're going to talk about Theory a little bit because I think that this is the best part. There's a lot of people out there currently saying how this is a bad mistake. This is like pre-tribal chief Roman when they shoved them down our throats or like John Cena. And I'm going to I'm gonna say pump your brakes, guys. You guys are getting it all wrong. Because theory is a heel. Mm-hmm. And yes, they're shoving him down our throats because it's annoying and it's despicable and it gets him a lot of heat. And if you don't believe it, Check out that match. Check out the finish. Check out the Lashley match. It's perfect. It is the perfect amount that is giving everybody numerous fits of heat. Now, I would agree with you. If he was a babyface and they were doing the Roman gimmick, yeah, this is bad. Because it was bad when it was Roman. It was bad when it was Cena. Because once you, if you're a babyface and you get booed, 
something wrong is happening. Mm-hmm. However, if you are a heel and you get booed, that is a reaction. And a reaction in wrestling is always good. Because you guys got to remember sitting at home for those people who think that you have to like the heel. Why do you have to like a heel? You're not supposed to like the heel. You're supposed to hate the heel. And to act like Theory can't wrestle is just ignorant. Because he can. And he does. I don't understand that part of the hatred. You want to jump in about the hatred there. See, the one thing that I, I think it comes down to is we have a lot of people online that like to blur the lines a little bit. And we got away from the face versus heel storyline mentality. And I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that I think that we've kind of blurred the lines a little bit with some of the more independent companies that run. Handshake after every match. Yeah. You know, like you get to that kind of situation where like everybody's cool just being their own character. And it kind of takes it back to the attitude era. But that's not the storylines that WWE runs. That now they went back to, we have faces and heels. And Austin Theory is playing the heel role perfectly. He is being what WWE needs. And that is a monster heel in the making. And for a young talent that has got such a bright future that goes in there and wrestles, it's not like he's doing a roll-up and then running out of the ring. He's going in there, he's putting in the work, and they're fully he's embraced the character that they gave him, which is being the obnoxious face of the company, much like they did when Drew McIntyre was the chosen one, except or Seth Rollins in the authority years. Yeah. So it's it's one of those situations where I think fans are so used to having the cool heel, so to speak, mm. that to take it back to where we have a traditional heel is offsetting them and they can't figure out like what to do i think you're right but my theory is this there's two things that i think are really contributing online and that people really need to take a step back and think of because first of all before i say them this is the exact reaction wwe wants Mm -hmm. they want you to hate him they want him to be hated like that's the point of being a heel guys yeah like the point of being a heel isn't to come out and be like oh man this guy's really cool but to, to to boo him no, 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 no. It is to boo him and to hate him and to not want him there. And th- I heard the go-away heat thing. There's no go-away heat with him. No, and not because, with him, no. Because the problem with go-away heat is that there's no reaction after a while. You have the loud boos, but then during the match, there's no reaction. If you're not getting a reaction during the match, if you're not getting a reaction after the match, that is when go-away heat is. The only time that go-away heat is loud is when you first come out. Mm-hmm. But after that, boom, it's gone. Like, there's no reaction. They don't care. We've moved on. We've already set our sights on something else. He is still getting reactions during matches. There's still really good matches because it is set up good. And at the end of the match, he's getting the boo match. Think about how loud the Lashley cheer was for defeating him. Yeah. And like, mind you, Bobby Lashley, very popular wrestler, right? Sure. However, he, it was louder because of who he beat. Yeah. That's the whole point. And so it's working. So here's the two reasons I think the IWC is losing their mind. Firstly... I think it's because they've been worked. Yeah. And they know they've been worked. They were thinking that things were going to be one way or another, and WWE is shoving them down your throat and it's making you hate him. And you're realizing what I said was true that this is the whole point. Mm-hmm. So it's working. So you've been worked. And for whatever reason, wrestling fans on the internet hate being worked. And I don't understand that. Listen, as a person who worked in the wrestling business, as a person who is a little more privy to it, I love when I'm worked because that's exciting. 
That's what we as wrestling fans used to look forward to, not reading a million and a half different fucking dirt sheet items that may or may not happen. And then when they do happen, it ruins a story. We used to look forward to being excited and watching the event. And I understand where it became bad to be worked. Like, that's the whole goal. And I think that's why indie wrestling is so great and breath refreshing for people like myself and you and others that we know is because there, there's nobody writing the dirt sheet portion. Yeah. There's nobody going, hey, listen, this is what they're setting up down there because there's no money in it. There's only money doing it for WWE and AEW and New Japan and the big and, and impact and the big boys. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So that's why there's a breath of fresh air because you can be worked and things can happen to surprise you. When something surprises you and you have that natural release, that is the best part of being a fan. Yeah. And I don't know why you guys want to miss that. I think it's just because everybody's so used to doing it because they're so used to now the dirt sheets are the norm. You know, and they always have to feel like, oh, they know more than the the writer the writers and the bookers and everybody. It's like, no. It's nice to get that fan reaction that you don't need to know everything, mm-hmm. that you can go into a show and be genuinely surprised. And I think that we haven't seen that happen in so long because of the explosion and oversaturation, in my opinion, of said dirt sheets. Agreed. That, that everybody's got that, that you take that element away from being a fan. Agreed. Uh, I will take it a step further because I said two. So my second theory, and this is the, the, the this is the one that also hits for a lot of them, and especially those in the journalistic portion, is there's this narrative that's been painted for a while now that WWE can't create stars. Hmm. <laughs> and we've talked about it on the show. We're not going to jump. We don't believe that's true because I think there's plenty of stars in WWE. Uh, I think they've built enough of them, contrary to popular belief. And here we have a perfect example at Money in the Bank. Liv Morgan wins Money in the Bank, becomes SmackDown Women's Champion. That's a new star. Mm-hmm. That They built her up. The groundswell from the fans. New star. And yeah, don't take anything away from Liv Morgan because obviously she did it. Oh, absolutely. But at the yeah. same point in juncture, it's the company that you're attached to. Mm-hmm. Theory. He's not a face. He's a heel. So when you're booing him, that is like cheering him because that is what a face, that's what a heel is supposed to go for, you know? You're supposed to be the most hated person on the card. Yeah. Here's the cool part about that. He's now Mr. Money in the Bank. He's now going to get to tease it, and he's going to fucking take all the selfies in the world with it, and he's going to do all sorts of heelist tactics, and it's going to be, when is he going to cash in? Is he going to cash in now? Is he going to cash in later? And let's be honest, when a heel is Money in the Bank, Mr. Money in the Bank or Ms. Money in the Bank, it's always better. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're going to get that storyline. But once again, he's another guy that they created. So to admit that they did something good in either case admits that your narrative that they can't build stars is false. No, you're absolutely right. And I don't think that people want to swallow the humble pill, which once again, you shouldn't be spinning that narrative anyways. No, you shouldn't be going near that narrative. I mean, everybody gets so hung up. You got to declare a side with AEW and WWE to just make it, you know, more of a prime example. WWE has been doing this for a while. They know exactly how to build the stars they want. They have a very deep depth chart in NXT that they still have stars that are going to be coming up within the next year or so. They know what they're doing, and this is a prime example of when they did the build and those stars got their breakout moments. You can say what you will about if Liv's had a moment or two before, but this is the prime time where she got to shine. And she was absolutely embraced by the wrestling community for finally getting acknowledged for the talent that she is. Theory is a heel. 
And yeah, did we want to see him get the the briefcase? No, because as a character, I didn't want to see it. But as a wrestler, I'm excited for it because it does open up the door for some more storylines that they can go into a lot of different directions if they want. But this is a guy that they've really gotten behind. He's ran with the ball. He was part of a big storyline at WrestleMania. Absolutely. Need we forget. So you're going to try telling me that this guy isn't ready to take that next step? And took one of the best thunders of all time. Exactly. So that said, WWE is looking fine. And whether you love them or hate them, the machine keeps rolling. And this is prime example that they're not slowing down. Yeah. I, I Like I said, I just think it's funny how they allegedly they're thinning. Like, oh, they're just panicking because they're thinning. And it's like, but you got... Plenty of guys. You know, there was eight guys in that ladder match that we could believe any of them in a title fight tomorrow. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, even the young guys. Madcap Moss, star-making performance. Yeah. Like, he's been doing some pretty cool things that make me like him. But at the same time, that match, there was some really good stuff in that match that he did. Mm-hmm. And then you turn around, and you're like, Omos is not quite there yet, but he's still a monster. But he's, he's working. Right? And he, mm-hmm. you can tell he's working on it. Yep. You can definitely tell he's working on it. And then, like, you have Sheamus. Let's forget this dude's a former champ, multi-time world champion. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Seth freaking Rollins, arguably one of the best wrestlers in the world, period. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You have Sami Zayn, who is one of the best in the world, you know, maybe not in that top five or top ten category, but he's still great. And he's um, and he's definitely in the top five most entertaining guys on the planet for, in wrestling. One of the top five wrestling minds in all of wrestling. Exactly. In a mind and entertaining value. Yep. And then you, you know, and then you had the young cat in, in theory that they added to piss you off, and it worked. Mm-hmm. I saw you bitching on the internet; it worked. Yeah, like you got worked. It's okay. It's okay. But once again, those are two bad reasons, and that's the reason when you look at what they're saying on the internet. That's the reason we're getting from it is that you didn't like being worked, and you're now equating him to being shoved down your throats to Roman Reigns, which is false because Roman Reigns was a face, and that was not working because he was being shoved down his throats. But when you shove a heel down somebody's throats, guess what? It kind of does work because mm-hmm. then you don't like them. Exactly. And then you turn on the other page, and it's because people don't want to admit that they might be wrong, that they can create stars. Mm-hmm. And for the people who are equating theory to Sammy Guevara, there's no comparison. It's two different things. It's like apples and oranges. Theory is a guy that goes in the ring and, and banks on, you know, this storytelling mode. And Sammy goes out there and he's crash and burn. Yep. And I mean that in the best way possible. Uh, I think you said it earlier and give you credit. Sammy Guevara is the new age Jeff Hardy without the drugs and stuff. Mm-hmm. He is the new age. He, he goes out there. He's going to give you big moments. Yes. He's going to get a bottom line. And I don't hate him for it. I'm one of the few people on this planet that does not actually hate Sammy Guevara. I can see a little less of him and his girlfriend making out on TV. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know where that really fits in. I guess they think that gets heat. And I don't know I don't know if it's getting the right heat. But I think when you put him in the ring, he speaks for himself. Yeah, once you get away from the nonsense outside of the ring and, and all the internet drama that, in my opinion, he brought on himself, he's fun to watch in the ring because he takes those risks, like we talk about with Jeff Hardy, mm-hmm. that he's not afraid to do some crazy stunt off a ladder. He does it a little safer than Darby, in my opinion. So, oh, absolutely. So I like seeing him when he's wrestling. But all the nonsense with him and Ty outside and the storylines, like, sorry, is, that gives me go-away heat. But once he gets in there and gets down to business, it, he's tolerable to watch. No, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I enjoy him as a performer. Yes. So it's not the same. Yeah, it's definitely not the and same. And it's, it's kind of weird that people want to equate it because you know who equates that? The people that, you know, they like to call the E-drones. They, oh, you get talking about theory. Guys, it's not tip for tat. Yeah. They're both doing fine. 
They both are. They both would be making money in the wrestling business, regardless. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Absolutely. I just want to remind everybody they're both fine, uh, regardless if I have opinions about if they should be shoving the love angle down because obviously it was not working with Cody and Brandy either. Mm-hmm. And then they do the same thing. So that's really where you kind of you had the heat from Cody and Brandy, and now you had the same heat. It kind of fucking went over. So it's weird, and I don't understand why we're going to keep going to that mill. Uh, that storyline's over. Let's move away from it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying because it isn't really working. People just want to see Sammy do Sammy things. Yes. The same way as people just want to hate theory. And that's fine because that's what you're supposed to do. Well, that's why I think uh, they paired Sammy back with Chris Jericho to try steering that ship in the right direction. Ah, get it back into where you hate him for being in the ring and talented yep. and not hate him for the other stuff. And I like that idea. Let's see where it plays out because I, I, I really do dig Sammy Guevara's work in the ring. <laughs> so with that being said, though. That is going to do it for our WWE Money in the Bank coverage. Uh, We are going to take a quick break. On the break, you are going to hear the theme song for the ODPH podcast. That course is two weeks notice by our good friends at Shout at the Robots. Ken M, how can the people find Shout at the Robots? It's very simple. You can swing on over to odphpodcast.com or 8122productions.com. We have a music section right there. You can find out all the links going on with everything that is Shout at the Robots. They are fantastic people. We cannot plug them enough. And they got some new music, I guess, is kind of in the works. I'm working on some stuff, I heard. I'm only allowed to talk about so much, but if you want to find out what's going on with them, all their socials are there. Go check out their band camp. Go support the hell out of them. They're fantastic. So you're going to listen to Two Weeks Notice. When we come back, we're going to do a little indie roundup in the mid-card talking GCW Wrestling. They had big events this weekend. Plus, they have... Uh, a, a smaller, more accessible events next weekend that we're going to talk about in the mid-card. All that and more when we come back from this break. I know you guys can't see this right now. Ken M's really getting on that base today, baby. Oh, yeah. That's right. It's time for the mid-card of this week's edition of 607-TWS. And in the mid-card, we're going to talk some game-changer wrestling as GCW had another gigantic... I want to just want to say this weekend because it started on Thursday. Yes. Four events, five days. We are not going to be talking about the fourth event because the fourth event doesn't go down until... Uh, Monday, July 4th, even though this show is going to be coming out early, because mm-hmm. gonna by the time I get home and put it up, early on July 4th, it still wasn't enough time. You know, obviously that's going down in the afternoon. So everything but that show, but also nothing is announced for Backyard Wrestling, because 
they don't announce anything till the show. It's always a fun time. You can still check that out on Fight.TV if you hear this first thing on uh, – Fourth of July, or if you want to go back and buy the whole bundle for thirty bucks, it's well worth it for for events. Well worth it. But we're going to talk about it and then and form when we talk about indie shows. We are, or well, usually when we talk about bonus shows, we are going to go down the whole card and then we're going to give our thoughts on parts of the card and everything else, not match by match, just so to remind you folks. Are you ready, Kenem? Let's talk about it. The first one up was uh, it was uh, of course. GCW DOA dead on arrival from the Knights of Columbus Hall in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, they opened up with, and that was on Thursday. Uh, they opened up with a five-way scramble match where Tony Deppin defeated Alec Price, Dark Sheik, Jimmy Lloyd, and Yoya. Very fun match. Second match on the card was a singles match between Graveheart, aka the best in the world, Blake Christian, as he defeated Chase Burnett. Ten minutes and forty-seven seconds. Ninja Kamikaze Max def- Mac defeated Calvin Tankman in 9 minutes and 24 seconds in the third match. Fourth match of the evening was a three-way dance where Jordan Oliver, that's right, the East Coast Ace Big Breakfast, the man himself, the clout cutter, defeated All Elite Nick Wayne and Alex Shelley. 17 minutes and 30 seconds. We're definitely going to be coming back to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Then we had a six-man tag team match where the second gear crew, the one called Manders, Mance Warner, and Matthew Justice defeated Team Horror Slam, Briar Wellington, Malcolm Monroe III, and Tommy Vendetta. That got almost 20 minutes. And then we came back from intermission, and it was Death Match Central. Of course, the first one was kind of tragic. Slade did defeat Hoodfoot by referee's decision. One minute, 34 seconds. We will be talking about that as well, unfortunately. In another death match, we had the Iron Beast, Shane Mercer, defeat Akira. 14 minutes and 40 seconds. Then we had the GCW Ultra Violent Championship on the line as your champion, Alex Cologne, defeated Dale Patrick in 13 minutes and 41 seconds to be and still Game Changer Wrestling Ultra Violent Champion. And last but not least, in the main event for a three-way match, originally it was supposed to be a tag match, but since Joey Janela's flight got canceled, it became a three-way, and Cyclope defeated the King of Wreck Ship Mountain, Cole Radrick, and his own partner, Miedo Extremo, 14 minutes and 59 seconds for a quadruple Deathmatch extravaganza. We'll save the deathmatch talk for a second because I want to dive into a couple matches on the earlier card. And I would like to also get your opinions, but I need to dive right into one of my favorite matches of the weekend. It was a lot of fun and it was really talented. Blake Christian versus Chase Burnett. If you've never seen Chase Burnett, he does an old man gimmick. Yes. But he does all these athletic things in him and, 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 uh, Blake had this really cool spot. I don't know. You saw the match, right? Yes. I, this really cool spot that took place over like a, a only a couple minutes where they used the cane to like slingshot and move around and do a couple cool things. I thought it was really intriguing. It was very creative to see what they were get, pulling off there for it. And I mean, we're in the year of all hearts. So to see this go down. <sighs> I got to talk about next what I think was the match of the night. I'm going to say for both of us, I'm gonna, I feel comfortable in saying that. That was the three-way Jordan Oliver oh. defeating Alex Shelley and Nick Wayne. Of course, at the end of the match, the newsworthy part, we'll talk about the match too, but at the newsworthy part, at the end of the match, Alex Shelley said, hey, I like what you guys are doing. The youth is definitely running GCW. You are the future of wrestling. However, you guys had an advantage against me tonight because at times it was two-on-one because you guys are partners. I did not have a partner, but I have one or two partners I could bring. So I think the next time GCW comes to Detroit, I think we need to have Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne take on the Motor City Machine Guns. Take my money now. Take my money. This match was great. And to just show the future of GCW, which is Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne, especially with Alex Shelley. Like, I mean, this was main event anywhere in the world. 
This is why Alex Shelley's back in in wrestling, he said. He wants to work with the young kids. Mm-hmm. He wants to put over the next generation and help them out. And here was a perfect example of that. Yeah, you could see the excitement in it, too, with this match. And just to give us that dream match. Whew. Well, we got to talk about the horrible part of the evening yeah. and weekend. Yeah. As during the Slade and uh, Hoodfoot match, they opened the match uh, by Slade breaking a light tube, handing half of it to Hoodfoot. He kept half of it. And then they proceeded to stab each other in the arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, being you do shit like this, accidents happen. Yep. And he la- and Slade, sorry, pronouns, lacerated Hoodfoot really bad. Uh, it was very disgusting to see. Mm-hmm. And it brings up some points. And I want to clear the air. I will watch good deathmatch wrestling. Yeah. I'm not a, still a fan. Even when it's good, I'm just like, it's there. It's an attraction. It's like watching any other attraction. Mm-hmm. and Or any other gimmick match, in my for me at least. Yeah. But I wouldn't say that I'm a diehard deathmatch fan. I, I don't go out of my way to just watch deathmatch shows. I, it's, it's just something that's there. And I understand if people don't like it. With that being said, I think that we might need to start taking a step back in deathmatch shows, and especially, I got to say, maybe not use the light tubes. I think this, obviously, you know, positive thoughts and energy going out to Hoodfoot right now. I think this does bring up that argument that we we say on the show all the time, and I give you credit for this too, it's not ballet. And we know that anytime you step in the ring, things can happen, especially in a deathmatch where literally anything could happen. I think it's a situation that you can still tell a story, you can still use the elements of a death match, but you can definitely do without some light tubes. Well, here's my problem. Glass, yeah. in particular, light tubes are super unpredictable. Uh-huh. You know, we've seen guys parry, you know, stabbing motions with them before, and it's been fine. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This time it wasn't. I mean, it, it, it doesn't justify any other time. Yeah. But it's just saying maybe now – be. Like everything in wrestling, though, the bar has been set so high that I feel like guys are just going to keep trying to up that bar. What can you do next? What can you do that's never been seen before? You know, we, we've talked about it before. That's why some guys are doing crazy dives and jumps from places that they probably shouldn't be because at the end of the day, it has been raised that high. And I think this is the time to be responsible. And I think GCW being, in my opinion and a lot of people's opinions, probably the biggest independent wrestling company in the nation. Mm-hmm. Also being the one that still does deathmatch wrestling on top of regular wrestling. Mind you, they became the best due to the fact that they had, uh, they, they had this regular stuff as it, well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But both. It's, yeah. it's a mixture of the, the stuff. I think that they should be the company that maybe starts the no light tube or pulling it back a little bit. And I know from conversations that Brett Lauderdale gets real nervous about deathmatches to begin with. Well, I think that they're at such a profile now being the top indie in in North America that they have a lot of eyes on them. And when you have an unfortunate situation like what happened to Hoodfoot, that's going to bring you, you know, some very, criti- you know, very loud criticism. So I think that now after this weekend's done, I think that I wouldn't doubt that we see maybe some scaling back to a degree. And mm. I don't think that it's going to take anything away from the quality of these matches but I think that you are going to see maybe a slow start to some changes. And for all my friends out there who are deathmatch wrestling fans, I know we have some to listen. Guys, I say this as a, as a family of wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. We might need to leave some of the bloodthirst at home and say, listen, instead of judging companies like GCW or ICW or other companies that are doing H2O, other companies that also are doing deathmatches, 
instead of like saying, oh man, you need to give us more, more, more. Maybe we should say, hey, let's do the right thing. Be responsible for the competitors, scale it back a little bit and not complain if it gets scaled back. Because I, I just have a fear of, you know, there were some people who said that, you know, this could have been bad. He could have lost his life. Could have been. I don't know the extent. I know this putting him out for a while. I know that he took 40 staples on the inside and outside of his yeah, arm. Yeah, it's wild. He had a surgery and 40 staples. I know I can tell you that. Can I tell you if it was life-threatening? I don't know because I'm not his doctor and that wasn't released. Right. But it could have been if he hit the artery in his arm. We've seen it happen to other guys. Mm-hmm. For for God's sake, famously, Nick Gage died from being pierced by one. Yeah. And they brought him back on the on the helicopter ride. You know, I once again, just like Nick Gage, I've been told that Hoodfoot wanted to finish that match. Well, yeah, I'm sure. Well, he's a warrior. It's it's the mentality, which I'm not faulting. I, you know, I. No, he's I've, a fucking warrior. Yeah, I applaud. You know, they want to go in there and finish it out. That it, you know, it's it's. You know, I don't want to say a badge of honor, but it's something that they take pride in their craft. I also want to point out this is where the company needs to be, and they did a good job of saying no. Yeah, no, no, they did the, the right thing with this. The company needs to have to stop this. And that's that. And I, I got to applaud GCW for that. And other, there's other deathmatch companies who've had similar things happen that have done the same thing. They're always looking out for it because you got to remember these guys are warriors and you have to pull them back. It's the same thing in a lot of combat sports. Just remember that. I just want to throw that out there to the deathmatch fans. Listen, I'm with you. I, I do enjoy a good death match. Mm-hmm. It's not my favorite thing, so I'm not as fervent as, as all of you and bloodthirsty as you will in, in the nicest way possible. I just think that if we take some scales to come back a little bit, we can't make fun of these companies for it. And I and I think the companies might try to go in that direction. I mean, there was an incident, thankfully not in the ring at the ICW show on Saturday. Uh, was it, I think it was Saturday's show. I believe they so. had the incident outside that the show got or Friday where the show had to get shut down. Not even to do with the wrestlers. There was a stabbing outside between two civilians. Yep. And thankfully, the and I'm going to say this. Thankfully, the person was stabbed where he was because because they're a deathmatch promotion. The folks at ICW, the medical staff that they have in attendance for every show, uh, not just local but their own medical attendance, and the wrestlers who are used to dealing with cuts and stuff. Saved the man's life that got stabbed. Mm-hmm. Like, that is actually 100% fact. Right. But they stopped the show for the safety of the fans, and there was a little bit of backlash. And I, and, and then people started to understand when, you know, but the community Once had the to argue broke, amongst yeah, it. Yeah. But the community had to argue amongst itself because people were being assholes about it. Well, yeah, I mean, that's. And that didn't happen in the ring. That happened outside the ring, and they did the right thing. And kudos to Danny Demento oh, and everybody over at ICW absolutely. for doing the right thing. No, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's where you have to step in and think safety first over everything. And that's what I applaud them too. Right. And like I said, that didn't happen in the ring. That was completely outside between two civilians who had nothing to do with yeah, the wrestling it was show. Nothing. Over something that had nothing to do with wrestling, period. Mm-hmm. And but thankfully that guy got stabbed in the right place. Because <laughs> they did. They right. brought the man in, they made sure all the fans were safe, and they saved that guy's life. So kudos to them. Uh let's continue talking about GCW and talking about the next night. Let's do it. Uh so we we, we the next night we came or what well, we <laughs> I got miles in my pocket, Ken M. Yeah. It was from uh, making the debut. At the Pops nightclub in uh, Suet, Illinois. Sweet, almost like sweet. Or, uh, yes, it's like sweet. Like uh, GCW Gateway to the Death. Uh, let's go down the card real quick. Uh, Graveheart, a.k.a. the best in the world, Blake Christian defeats Gringo Loco. In the second match of the night, Two Cold Scorpio defeated Ali Catch in a great match, but we're going to come back to that one in a second as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ninja Kamikaze Mac defeated Axton Ray. Uh, All Elite Nick Wayne defeated our favorite asshole here at 607 TWS, Tony Deppin. Uh, The American Wolf, Davey Richards, had a banger and defeated Joey Janela. Jordan Oliver defeats the Dark Sheik. Effie 
better known as Daddy, mm. defeated the legendary Delirious. Uh, in a six-man tag team match, the second-gear crew team of one called Manders, Mance Warner, and Matthew Justice defeated Los Macisos plus Jimmy Lloyd, who is, uh, is added in their sequel play in uh, Miedo Extremo. Mm. That was the second in their series of match. One yes. and one now, so we got to have that rubber match down the road. Can't wait for that. And in the main event of the evening, in a fucking death match for the GCW ultra-violent title, Alex Cologne defended that title against Cole Raderick to stay and still GCW ultra-violent champion. Uh, first of all, let's go back to what I uh, the first thing I mentioned. Once again, we always talk about it's not ballerina. Uh, it's not ballet, I should say. Sorry. Yeah. And unfortunately, during the two Cold Scorpio alley catch match, which was not a death match, regular match, when uh, two Cold Scorpio went for his flipping leg drop that he's done forever, mm-hmm. he accidentally caught Ali Catch's chin with his boot. Right. Which caused a gusher. Yeah, that looked nasty. It looked a lot worse than thankfully it ended up being. I mean, it wasn't not bad, but it was a lot worse than it ended up being. You could tell instantly how bad two Cold Scorpio felt. Once again, accident. It's not like. Ali Catch was not mad at him. It just shit happens. Literally, his boot landed in the wrong spot. It, it happens. Yep. Uh, I do want to got to thank Davy Richards for being in attendance. Of course, if you don't know, the American Wolf Davy Richards is also a paramedic. Yes, he's a certified paramedic because that's what he went to school for. That's his passion. That's what he. I still don't think he does it in his spare time, or like his shoot job, if you will, because that's his passion. Believe it or not. So he was right on the scene, and uh, Ali Catch did go to the hospital. She got three or four stitches on the inside of her lip and glued on the outside. And uh, she's taking it easy. So, thankfully, she was okay. And, uh, you know, hopefully she gets well soon and we see her back in that ring in no time. Uh, other than that, let's talk about positives now, staying positive. Some great matches on this card. Personally, for me, I think my match of the night, Davey Richards versus the bad boy Joey Janela. This card had three right in a row that you could give the match of the night award to. And this was a very solid card from bell to bell, from opening to main event. But I have to say between Nick Wayne and Tony Duppin, Davey Richards and Joey Janela, and Jordan Oliver and Dark Sheik, like you could take your pick right there. I do agree with you that Davey Richards and Joey Janela was amazing. So I will give that the nod. But I will say this. All of those matches were good. Once again, it was from top to bottom, this was a great card. I agree with you 100%. The matches you listed were very good. I also want to throw out there, as far as like a very entertaining and good match, Effie versus Delirious. Oh, my God. That was entertaining as all And then after the match, Effie – Thanking him in delirious voice, yes. delirious then singing goodbye Yellow Brick Road. It was, it was crazy. It was great. It was a good time and, and it was a lot of fun. I thought this was the best show that they put on this weekend. Not saying anything bad about the other shows. I thought the other shows were very good, but I thought this was their best show. Fully agree that this one was just solid with everything. Like it just it clicked. It, it had a good flow to it, and just from even the opener. I mean, Blake Christian and Gringo Loco. Like how good was that match, too? dude? That match was great. Yeah. That match was great. That's going to bring us to Sunday, 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 the day we're recording right now. (laughs) You guys might not hear us live, but we are recording after this event, by the way. So uh, bear with us because the actual results were not up on Cage Match yet. That's how quick we were. But I'm going to do this from memory. So with that being said, Sunday brought up Evansville Coliseum in Evansville, Indiana for GCW's Rock and Roll Forever. Oh yeah, and uh, we opened the con- we opened the, the night with, and I'm gonna try to go in order. If I get something wrong, I, I apologize. Uh, they open we opened the night with Jordan Oliver, of course, the East Coast Ace defeating Big Calvin Tankman in a in a great war. Uh, next up, we had a match between somebody that we had not seen yet, but I think we would like to see him more. But at the end of the day, 
607TWS's resident favorite asshole, Tony Deppin, via some feet on the ropes, defeated Carrie Morton, the son of the legendary Ricky Morton. Next up on the card, we had All Elite Nick Wayne keeps the ball rolling. Of course, he was originally set to uh, take on Alley Catch, but unfortunately, due to injury, that wasn't going to happen. So instead, they brought back Axton Ray, who was definitely one of the standouts mm-hmm. from the St. Louis show. He stood out again. They, they had a banger, by the way. But Nick Wayne gets that win. Uh, next up, I got uh, Shane Mercer, the 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 Iron Demon, going one-on-one with Blake Christian. Blake Christian, though, showing no mercy to an already injured Shane Mercer as he uh, gave him that vicious foot stomp through a door to end the match. Blake Christian, your winner. Uh, next up, we had, and I, I know this is where I'm going to get out of order, because, but I did, uh, no, actually the six-man tag was up next. Next up, we yeah. had the... Uh, Second gear crew, one call Manders, Mance Warner, and Matthew Justice be reign victorious over the Blood Fighters, the team of the GCW ultraviolet champion Alex Cologne, the filling in Dale Patricks, who was filling in for Hoodfoot, and of course, the Deathmatch Samurai, Akira. Great match. We'll talk about that in a minute. After intermission, we had the classic. GCW six-way dance. It is actually not listed on here. So I apologize. I cannot remember everybody that was in the match. I know that Jimmy Lloyd was in the match. I know that Larry D was in the match. Uh, Spider Nate Webb. Spider Nate Webb, who won the match, was in the match. And so many more. I do apologize, but it was not written down. And I'm doing this for memory. I'm sorry, guys. I do actually apologize. Uh, Next up, though, we had one of my favorite matches of the weekend as well in... Billy Starks getting a huge win of her career as she defeated Dark Sheik. Yes. And that led us in to the main event of the evening. As for the last time in their... What? There's one other match, though. Joey Janela and oh, Cole Radrick. Sorry, I forgot about that match. Thank you. Joey Janela, or Cole Radrick gets an upset victory over Joey Janela and then embarrasses him by having the crowd sing happy birthday. Yes. Thank you. Because it was Joey Janela's birthday. But last but not least, the main event, of course... For the last time in their legendary Hall of Fame career, the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton, Robert Gibson, stepped in the ring in Evansville Coliseum in Evansville, Indiana, and they took on the rejects of John Wayne Murdoch, the Duke of Hardcore, and of course his partner, Reed by God Bentley. And at the end of the day, Rock and Roll Express got the victory and then a very nice send-off from the Evansville crowd. Uh, let's break it down. Ken, what were your highlights from GCW's rock and roll forever? If you asked me at the beginning of this year, would I ever think the rock and roll express would have a light tube in a match <laughs> or Ricky Martin would hit somebody with a light tube? In yeah, a match? that was not on my bingo card, but great send off for one of the most legendary tag teams in all pro wrestling. This was a great moment for the fans, especially with how they've been tied to Evansville. This was a perfect send off for them. I love Joey Janela versus Cole Radrick. I thought that that was an excellent match. By the way, Cole Radrick in his match on Friday when he challenged Alex Cologne for the title took seven stitches in the arm. Yeah. So this is uh, Cole Radrick was all cut up and stuff, but he went out there and had a great match with Joey Janela. Oh, he definitely brought it for this one. I mean, there's no question. I mean, same with Shane Mercer against Blake Christian. Especially Shane was definitely wearing the effects of you know his weekend. And I got to say, whenever you see SGC on a card, you know some wild – that match was crazy. Crazy crap's going to happen. Matthew Justice jumped out of a balcony that was probably 30 feet in the air. Yeah. 
<laughs> like nothing. And the camera shot right after too is epic. Oh. It, it it was one of the best things all weekend. Uh, but you know, what I gotta say, I, this one was an equally great card. It's tough to say like what a match of the night was. I love Jordan Oliver versus Calvin Tankman. That was phenomenal. I thought that that was great. Told a, a fantastic story in there as well. And like you talked about, Kerry Morton. You know, I definitely want to see. I want to see more of him in GCW, and especially if they want to do something with him, having to like earn the respect of Tony Deppin. I think would be a great storyline. I'm going to say, much like every night of the the three of these shows we talked about, every night was very good, mm-hmm. and uh, I like to varying degrees, but everything was good front to back. Uh, like I said, I my personal favorite of this, I, I I'm going to say I agree with you, but it just. Calvin Tankman versus Jordan Oliver was phenomenal. Yes. But I think Billy Starks versus Dark Sheik just acted out, in my opinion. That was great, too. That was a phenomenal match. So, But there were so many good matches this weekend. You would be – just go back and watch. I would say if, you're, if, if you've ever wanted to watch – I mean, obviously stay away from maybe the deathmatch stuff if you don't like it. Mm-hmm. But if you've ever wanted to see GCFNW, this is the time to do it. This is a perfect time to do it. They they give you your money's worth. Like I never feel like as we watch this, we don't get full value for what we're spending. Listen, I thought that I had my thirty dollars worth night one in th- on Thursday in Detroit. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be honest with you. You know, I I really did. And then you follow that up with another great night in St. Louis the following night. And then you follow that up here on Sunday night with another great event. It was just like thirty bucks. It's it's ten dollars a night. But there's still another event, a fun event, that is backyard wrestling coming up on the fourth of July. So, I mean, you still get that bonus event, but even if I pay $10 for the three events that we got yeah. each, oh, man, it's more than worth it. I think one of the events was worth 30 Don't let Brett Lauderdale hear that, though, because then he'll try to charge me more. <laughs> but, yeah, I fully agree with you on that. Although, rumor has it that we're closer to the streaming service. Ooh. So, fingers crossed, GCW fans. Speaking of streaming services, I, I said that there is a way to see GCW this upcoming weekend. Mm-hmm. And there is Ken M. Ken M, you know, you know as well as I do. This upcoming Sunday, July the 10th, at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, GCW makes its return to independentwrestling.tv. Yes. So they're going to make the return to IWTV live at 1 p.m. from uh, the Ridgefield Park Knights of Columbus in Ridgefield Park, New Jersey. And the event is just simply entitled Settlements GCW Settlement Series Volume One. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So you got there's eight shows that are going to be coming over the next year to uh, IWTV as part of their settlement with Game Changer Wrestling. And with that being said, they haven't announced anything for that show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dead serious. It's, it's a week out. We have not had zero announcements. So if you want to check that out and you already have, you should already listen. If you like wrestling and you want to see a bunch of different wrestling, independent wrestling TV is the place to be nine 99 a month. Cannot beat the price. You get to see a ton of footage. Also, you're going to get some GCW shows here in the very near future, but can, but guess what? That's not it. No, because game changer wrestling better yet. Their sister promotion, or their NXT, if you will, on the East Coast, Jersey Championship Wrestling, mm. will also be taking place from the Ridgefield Knights of Columbus nice. in Ridgefield, New Jersey, on Sunday, July the 10th, at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Game Changer Wrestling YouTube channel. So it's absolutely free. Excellent. Are you ready to talk about that, Ken? Yeah, let's do it. Because they do have a card for this. And I think this is one of the best cards that we've ever had. For a JCW show. 
First up, we got, uh, and I'm going to butcher his name. I always do. Sorry. Kanosuke Takashida taking on the King of Wreck Ship Mountain, Cole Radrick. We've got the ever, uh, 607TWS's resident asshole, Tony Deppin, going one-on-one with the Prize City OG, Alec Price. Ooh. We've got a three-way dance between three of the most talented young up-and-coming women in the wrestling world today as Lindsay Snow takes on Masha Slamovich and Janai Kai. That should be a main event anywhere in the world. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. Oh, it gets better, though. It gets better. In a bunkhouse stampede match. (laughs) By the way, this show is called the Great American Birthday Bash. Okay. Uh, In a bunkhouse stampede match. Brandon Kirk takes on Bam Sullivan, One Called Manders, Akira, Joshua Bishop, Slade, and Hoodfoot was scheduled for this match, but I doubt he will be there. Okay. For good reason, obviously. Oh, yeah. Next up, we have Speedball Mike Bailey going one-on-one with a kid that we were very happy with this past weekend, Axton Ray. Oh, that's going to be a great sleeper match. We have a tag team extravaganza as Space Gods, ASF, and Gringo Loco take on Hermanos Lee, Dragon Lee, and Dralistico. Okay. Dragon Lee coming to JCW. Excited about that. And last but certainly not least, for the Game Changer Wrestling World Tag Team Championship, your champions, Bussy. Ali Catch and Effie will be defending against the team of Delirious and Edith Surreal. Oh, that's going to be an interesting card. I mean, a main event. And this is going to be a, a really, really solid card. I mean, I say a sleeper match with uh, Speedball Mike Bailey and Axon Ray, but I don't think everybody really knows how good Axon is, unless you've caught him this weekend, because oh, this yeah. was a great showcase for him. I mean, Speedball Mike Bailey might be the best wrestler on the planet right now. He's in that talk. Can't take anything away from him. But I love that women's triple threat match. The women's triple threat match looks amazing. That's that's take my money right there. You got Cole Radrick against Takashita. Yeah. I think that's going to be phenomenal. Uh, Deppin and Price. Yeah, that's, don't sleep that's on that be one a great either. Match. And, man, this, I'm, I'm interested in what this bunkhouse stampede match is going to be. But with you add Brandon, Kirk, Bam, Sullivan, one call, Manders, Akira, and Joshua Bishop into a match, I'm fucking there. Yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm taking it back to the Dusty Rhodes days. Somebody might die. Yeah. And, of course, the Lucha tag match, Space Gods and Hermanos Lee. Oh. That's going to be fun. Oh. This is going to be a great card, and this is free. Yeah, this is the wildest thing. Like 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Game Changer Wrestling YouTube channel. We'll definitely be sharing that link out. You don't want to miss this card. I am freaking making plans right now, typing it into my phone about this. Absolutely. And as should everybody at home, that is going to do it for the mid card, though. We are going to take another break. During this break, you're going to hear our good friend Tom Jolu. And if you are a fan of the live stream, when we do the countdown, you hear the song every week. It is called Sideshow. Make sure you support Tom Jolu on all of the platforms, Spotify, YouTube Music, Bandcamp. His links are on odphpodcast.com and 8122productions.com, respectively. Make sure you support Tom Jolu. He's awesome. When we come back from this break, it will be time for the main event of the show. We got a couple big wrestling uh, stories, including talking about the future of Kenny Omega. And of course, the career that just signed by signing a contract of Logan Paul. When we come back from this very last break.
at the bar, beer in hand. As you come up to me, sir, about your ex-man. If I was him, I would have left you too. Wrestling fans, are you ready? Uh, let's get ready to rumble! It is time to rumble. It is time for the main event of this week's episode of 607 TWS. And uh, we got a couple news things to talk about. Let's start off with the news that shook the wrestling community to its core. Some hated it. Some loved it. Some were indifferent to it. But no matter how you cut it, it is one of the biggest deals that I think we've seen go down in a long time. As this week, it was announced via Stephanie McMahon, the current chairwoman of World Wrestling Entertainment, and her husband, Triple H, they had signed possibly... What I would think is the biggest internet star pop, probably of all time, or damn close to it. In discussion. In discussion. And a man who has recently had some great celebrity boxing matches, and a man who made his wrestling debut at WrestleMania. Ladies and gentlemen, World Wrestling Entertainment has come to an agreement on a contract with one Logan Paul. And also, as part of this, I've heard that it is on the table that it will be the Miz Versus Logan Paul at SummerSlam. Wow. Absolutely shocked at this. That is not quite official yet, but that is what is being leaked out. Right, but just the simple signing of Logan Paul to WWE is really out of left field. But this is a good signing for both, I feel. And what I think for WWE is, love him or hate him, Logan Paul does bring an audience. He did show that he could hang in the ring. And he's not going to be somebody that's not taking it seriously. He definitely puts the work in. And it definitely will bring a new audience to the product. And for Logan Paul, this is another way for him to grow his brand out to a new audience. That, like, when the WWE Universe embraces you, if he puts the work in and does everything properly, they'll follow and they'll support him. So this is a win-win. Uh, I think this is also Also, let's be honest, the credit he doesn't get for all the hard work he puts in. Right. Like, I mean, when he was boxing, he was down in Puerto Rico with some of the best boxing coaches learning to box. It wasn't like he was half-assing it to just make money. Mm-hmm. And from what we understand, he has a wrestling ring, and he has been training since before WrestleMania and continued that training after in hopes of possibly just staying in the wrestling business for a little while. We don't know the exact details of this contract, but I feel like it's going to be multi-matches. It's definitely been put out that way. It looks like it's going to be at least a year or two. Yeah, I would say a two-year deal. So I think that's my that guess. This is, I think this is perfect for him. I thought that he did a good job, and if he keeps working, he's going to be a superstar. But once again, there was backlash on the internet. 
This is what happens. WWE can't create stars. So they got to buy celebrities. Well, listen, guys. First of all, save me with that shit. We already talked about it in the first, in, in the opening bout. WWE can create stars. Mm-hmm. You guys just don't give them credit for the stars they do create. Here's the thing, though. You would be stupid not to sign Logan Paul. With the built-in audience that he brings, with a little bit of a bump that he can give you, that is stupidity on a business level to not sign Logan Paul. We're not talking about signing some somebody who's not a surefire thing. This isn't like the Gable Steveson deal, mm. which is what it is, no matter how what side you're on. And yeah, he's a big name in wrestling, amateur wrestling, Olympic wrestling, but you know sometimes you transfer over well and sometimes you don't. Right. You know, for every Kurt Angle. There's other people who just didn't get it as well. So here's the bottom line of it. This is a guy who's got a legion of followers. Mm -hmm. So if you don't think he's going to move your bottom line, that's stupidity, in my opinion. And I think that anybody would be happy to have him. Like, I'm sorry, if if you're saying Tony Khan would never sign Logan Paul, that's either because he's a bad businessman or he never had the chance. No, I fully agree with you about that. And WWE has had a great success run as of late with celebrities that they brought in. Bad Bunny, who won everybody over at WrestleMania, and guarantee you we're not seeing the last of him in a WWE ring. I agree. And for Logan Paul, who came in and, like, he drew business. I mean, at the end of the day, this is a business. You want eyes on the product, and that is bringing a lot of attention to your brand. This is a smart business move. And if AEW fans are saying, oh, we'd never do this, we'd never do this. Really? Like, I mean, how many times have you tried bringing in talent from outside the uh, enter- or outside the pro wrestling world to see what you can do on the matches? I mean, I'm just saying, WWE has a proven track record. It works for them. So this move makes a ton of sense. And it will be interesting to see what they do. In fact, I'll even say probably don't doubt a Logan Paul versus Bad Bunny match. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it either to make money. Oh, it'd be huge money. That's, money. A, that's a WrestleMania match. I will give credit, though. Uh, one of the people who was on the fight was a good wrestler and a man who is the current MLW World Heavyweight Champion, Alexander Hammerstone. Uh, he had a little video explaining why it was a good move to bring in uh, Logan Paul and his estimation and not other, quote-unquote, wrestlers whose passion it was. And, of course, he got a lot of backlash from fans and other wrestlers. So... He put this tweet out. I thought this tweet was fun. Uh, he says, Logan Paul in better shape, better looking, with more charisma than indie guys, and a huge following gets signed. That's point, bitter, angry indie dudes. I need to do more flips. They'll notice me. Then they'll see my passion. I just know it. <laughs> well said, sir. Well said. And, of course, he got heat from that. And he knew he was going to get heat from it. But he's not wrong. It's like guys, like there's always this thing that there's no way to get to WWE. Well, there is a way to get to WWE, but it doesn't mean that everybody's going to get the golden ticket. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, if I'm a businessman and and it's a fucking business, if I have the choice to sign somebody who's, who's, you know, new to the business or somebody who is, you know, been in the Indies for a while and maybe has an indie buzz, or sign somebody who has literally got tens of millions, hundreds of millions of followers. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sign the guy with that. I'm going to sign the guy who single-handedly sent everybody into a Pokemon card frenzy. Yep. Why wouldn't I? As a businessman. Not to mention the fact that we have seen him in the ring. 
He looked very good, albeit his first match, but he looked good. He was flying around no problems, looks in great shape, looks like a million bucks. He's got charisma for fucking days. Yeah. I'm just saying I think it's a win-win. And once again, if you don't like it, that's fine. That's your opinion. But to sit back and go, but they cut a sign, so-and-so. Okay. Is he going to make them as much money as Logan Paul? You have to ask yourself that question. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what wrestling fans for better or for worse, don't understand. you. At the end of the day, you have to ask yourself your, the question of who's going to fucking draw. And that's that ultimately boils down to it's a business, and it's a great business decision. And fans don't like to think about it as a business, but let's face it. It is completely a business. That's why I say it's the wrestling business to drive that point home. This isn't the fantasy booking you do on your video game. Bringing him in does make a lot of sense, and it's going to make them a lot of money. Yeah, smart moves, smart decisions across the board. Uh, let's get to a sadder story, unfortunately. Yeah. Geez. So this past Wednesday, Kenny Omega was on the CEO Gaming Twitch stream, and uh, he had a bombshell to drop on all of us. Um, we have known that there's some set, been some setbacks with his rehab and, and everything from his surgeries, uh, but let's just... So I'm going to read the quote. Look, if I get another major setback, that's it. I'm done because I can't do this ever again. It's like two times, three times a day, really painful rehab. And without even knowing what it's, it's going to be like once I get back in the ring, I have no clue. It's scary, actually. Yeah. End quote. Kenny Omega being very, very, it's a scary thought that we might lose the cleaner Kenny Omega uh, because of setbacks in the rehab. I understand completely. It is more about his health and and, and, and his well-being, and I support anything like that. Mm -hmm. It is sad because I'm a big Kenny Omega fan. How are you feeling about this statement from Mr. Omega? Very saddened. Um, And we always say just make sure to give people their flowers while they're here, you know, to really appreciate it. And like I say, to appreciate what he's done with his career and to think about all the amazing matches he's had. To see it come to an end, if this is the case, and I certainly hope it's not, I, I wish him nothing but the best in his rehab and health. If this is it, you know, thank you for you know all the work that you put in. I mean, it's it's something that wrestlers coming into the business should really take a look at and see how he you know was creating his matches and such. And I'm just, it, it's also very you know very somber to think that this could be it. And I think that he's realizing what is going on here, and he's think he's taking a very realistic approach to. To things so I know the fans are very excited to at the possibility that he'll be back sooner than later but if he's not feeling 100% I'd rather not see him come back I, I want to see the best bout machine come back if that's what he's going to do and if he doesn't feel that's going to be the case I support him and what he's going to be doing next absolutely he would go on to that interview to say uh, well it wasn't really an interview it was a twitch stream but my timetable before all of this started I wanted to be back for Forbidden Door being back for this show was incredibly important to me and I really wanted to mix it up with some somebody from New Japan and it sucks that I couldn't do it it's to the point where I want to be on this show even if it's just to do commentary I just want involvement but I'm not there yet I don't want to take a spot from anybody I don't want to put a spotlight on myself when it's not going to lead to anything I'm definitely cool to sit and cheer on the sidelines for everyone to go out there and kill it and have a great show in terms of timeline. I put myself back on the road to help out with some of the Owen Hart Cup matches and I felt it was too soon. It was too difficult for me to miss three or four days of rehab and to have to put myself in a position where I was flying again and being hands-on with talent. 
When I'm trying to agent something or show something, when I'm moving from point A to point B backstage, I'm moving quicker than I thought that I would and doing more than I thought and I'm not eating or resting properly. I felt it really started to set me back. I'm not saying I would have been ready for Forbidden Door had I not done it, but when I started to recognize that it was a detriment to my recovery, I kept myself home and I'm focusing more on what I can do remotely and I'm doing everything I can for the game to make sure we can make a release. Um, man, it's tough to think that somebody who is so synonymous and so great with wrestling, period, and elite wrestling, it could be over for. And I mean, it's this could be, I mean, I want to get your take on this. Like, it sounds like no matter what, he wants to be a part of the show. Yes. So whether that's, if he can get to a point where he's, if he can't wrestle anymore, he would like to just be able to get to a point where he can be on the road and agent matches and take, be hands on and help people as much as he can. My question to you is, what does this mean for all elite wrestling? Losing one of your biggest stars, or you know, but gaining maybe somebody in the back, like from the business aspect. We just talked about the business for WWE. What is the business reper- repercussions, in your opinion, that all elite wrestling can experience from the possible, you know, non-return of Kenny Omega? It would hurt tremendously. That. They would be able to recover, but this would still hurt very, very badly. You think about Kenny Omega being one of the first founding fathers of AEW. And obviously you see when Cody has left the company, what kind of effect that's had. Kenny being gone definitely does hurt. I think that if he was going to come back in a non-wrestling role and he was going to be on camera, why not make him the commissioner? You know, put him in that kind of situation that he could still be a presence on screen and definitely do some things, connect them with some wrestlers, and really kind of push them. Uh, it, and this is also something for Tony Khan and company to really start thinking, who are your future stars? That if you're going to be losing – you've lost Cody. If you lose Kenny, you've had Punk injured. You have Brian Danielson injured. Who's going to be the next person up to really be the face that runs the place, so to speak? That's, oh, I, I that's agree. That's the question. Uh, yeah, this is definitely a detriment. I'm not. They're not going to go out of business for this. No, absolutely so not. Anybody, they'll, 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 be, they'll still be they'll working. Yeah. Know. There's still plenty of talent over there. Uh, it, it will suck though, because I mean, every he is the the heart and soul, if you will, of all the wrestling, in my opinion. And I think that he's a big portion of of the show that would be missing. Uh, so I hope that that's not the case. I really do hope that he can get better. But, I mean, even if he can help in the back, maybe things get tighter. But, once again, that's all going to depend on what Tony Khan would allow Kenny Omega to do or how much power, if you will, for lack of a better term, he would be willing to give Kenny Omega. I mean, if I'm Tony Khan, who does some question to me, it's questionable shit. Mm-hmm. We judge him on that. You know, somebody like I've always said that maybe he should give over the booking reins to William Regal. Yes. But maybe on top of that you could go, okay, Kenny's back. Maybe Kenny leads the agents and helps the wrestlers one-on-one. If there's somebody who needs help, he helps that wrestler. And I think he did that as a wrestler. Yeah. So doing that in the backstage. So you would never lose the influence of Kenny Omega, but you would have to use him for his strong suits. And if you don't do that, I think that's a missed opportunity. But who's to say? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we don't we don't have any insight of what goes on behind the closed doors there. But if this is the case then this is something AEW will keep moving forward, but it just depends on who is going to be the person to really step up and fill that void. And I think that with the talent that's around Tony, 
having a person like Kenny Omega help with the booking, help with working the match or matches, having that kind of knowledge involved is a plus. Utilize it and take it to the fullest advantage. I think anything less would just be a serious setback. Well, uh, once again, I think we're both on the same page that we are yeah. hoping and praying that the cleaner Kenny Omega can get through and have no more setbacks and return to the ring and uh, do what we all love to see him do. But it's a rough time, folks. It's a rough time. Uh, I do want to talk about one last thing before we go. Okay. I, I think we'd be remiss for our fans at home if we didn't talk about blood and guts. You mean war games? Well, I mean, we could. Of war games! War games! War games! Yeah, we could talk about blood and guts slash war games. War games! Uh, what was your what's your feelings about this year's AEW blood and guts? Just the match itself. I don't want to talk about the whole show. Um, I just want to talk. I mean, let's be honest. I, I'm glad that they gave the second hour to the show or yeah. to the match. That was cool. So I, I would first want to start by that. I mean, what happened on the earlier parts of the show? We're fine. I'm not. I'm not shitting on anything in particular. No, no, no. But the match in general. Um, I thought it was better than the one uh, with MJF throwing Chris Jericho off last year. Yeah, I thought it was a lot better. Um, the Sammy Guevara bump was wild. I got to admit, but I mean, if anybody was going to take something crazy there, that would be Sammy. By the way, kudos to the production team at AEW. Now, mind you, the the people in attendance could see that giant area. Yeah. <laughs> but the people at home, they did a good job of never showing that. So when the, he gets thrown off, in my mind, I'm like, I don't remember them setting up a table or anything. Where the hell is he going? And there's no ramp to the ring like the one from last year. So I'm like, where the fuck is he going? Mm-hmm. And then he goes through that, and I'm like, oh, that's a good place for it. But I also like the fact, I don't know if it was done intentionally or just because they forgot to clear them, but the water bottles that were opened on the table that shot in the air and went everywhere. It was perfect. I thought that was great. So if it was intentional, that's awesome. If it was by accident, that's a great accident. Yeah, no, it definitely does. Um, Santana getting hurt, that was a downside. Ooh. Oh, And definitely hoping he has a speedy, healthy recovery. Um, and I also thought that it was interesting to see them allow the broken glass, the skewers, the barbed wire. They definitely went back into that deathmatch mode. Yeah, they went back to deathmatch mode, which, I mean, remember when Nick Gage was on there wrestling Chris Jericho, there was a lot of feedback about that, and it was not exactly going over. And if the Warner Brothers Discovery team is not exactly uh, happy with that kind of stuff, it was interesting to see them bring it back. I want to say this. I don't even care about the Warner Discovery people. I more care about the AEW fans who always like to shit on shitty, trashy, deathmatch wrestling. Mm-hmm. What do you have to say when your company has it? Because that's what they did. The skewers, the glass, all of that is deathmatch wrestling. Yep. Uh, they just didn't do light tubes. Yeah. So that basically what you saw there is what I'm actually asking for the deathmatch community to actually do. Mm-hmm to light it down so that we get rid of light tubes, in my opinion. No, I'm fully with you on that. So I'm very curious to see, because I didn't see a lot of AEW fans complaining. This no, time they, they thought it was a great match. Yeah. I also, I'm going to say, I also enjoyed the match. The match was fun. The only things I did, well, obviously, speedy recovery to Santana. That's that's without being said. Yeah. The- I thought the spot with Sammy Guevara was perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely perfect. Um, I, I guess if you were there live, seeing that gigantic table thing yeah. would have been a dead giveaway. But... Fuck that! I was at home, so I didn't have to worry about that. Yeah, so I got exactly. I got the cool surprise of like, where the fuck is he going to go through? Uh, so uh, the only detraction I have is I feel like once again they had an issue with timing. Mm-hmm. They had too much time at the end, 
And it caused this really weird, like you thought something else was going to happen moment, but it was just because they were trying to fill time. See, I thought the same thing, but after rewatching it, I'm wondering if Eddie Kingston hurt something in his back. Well, he did say his back hurt. Right. You could, hear, you could visibly see him say that out loud on the top of the cage. Because I'm wondering if something was supposed to happen with him and Cesaro up there. Like somebody else was supposed to take a take a bad bump or something in that variation. That when Cesaro kind of went to him, like you saw Eddie verbally say, like, my back's hurt. Like, And I think that maybe, and this is just my opinion, if that was the case, then I think that maybe kind of threw a curveball into the match. And this is when maybe, but at the same time, do you think you would have a backup? Yeah, you. I mean, yes and no. I mean, I think unless they just didn't think of anything I like on the fly for that. That's the only thing I was guessing at. But you know, like I say, I do agree with you. I think it's just more of a production thing. But I think they should have had maybe. Somebody come out from the rampway at least, to kind of do a little distraction from something, there. Something, Because everybody hanging out on the top of the cage was kind of like, meh. Well, then we found out Moxley and Bryce Ramsberger scared of heights, and they're both up there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> I thought that was a fun little uh, subject. I mean, overall, I got to say, I was I was a fan uh, of the match. Like I said, the minor detraction was at the end, but I, I feel, I mean, you could be right, but also it could be just be a simple, the fucking thing ended before... You know, because it was just a couple minutes, but a couple minutes feels like eternity. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially in those cases. But it was just kind of weird everybody up there celebrating. But, you know, once again, I thought the match was good. I thought it was way better than the one the year before. And uh, maybe I'm looking forward. Actually, I, th- I also like the cage better. Mm-hmm. The cage they, looked they, better. They, uh, they, they addressed some problems. Mm-hmm. Remember last year's cage where there was like the gap in between the two cages that you could just wander out of? And they, now they have the column there. So that was cool. I like how the, there was a full lid on this cage. Yes. Because I remember last year there was a little bit of a hole, if you will. It was, it, wasn't it, was, a, it was looking a little shaky. It was it wasn't as as big, but it was it was weird. And this one I thought looked real more I thought this one I real more. That's great English. I thought this one looked a lot more sturdier. Yes. <laughs> and I was I was very happy with it. And like I said, I thought that the match was paced well as far as the actual match goes. I liked the order of people coming in, mm-hmm. with the exception of the hiccup with the Santana injury. I thought that they did some big money good stuff. And I do like the finish because I like the fact that Eddie Kingston gets to kind of do the conspiracy dog thing, you know, like I'm fucking, I won the match, but no, Cesaro won the match. Like once again, I get fucked. Yeah. And I think that that's where they're going. Are they borrowing a little bit from Sami Zayn? Not quite. Cause I don't think they're going into conspiracy. Cause I've heard that little, Oh, they're borrowing the conspiracy theory from Sami Zayn. I'm like, no, no, no. Cause he's not saying there's a conspiracy. He's just saying that people don't like him. So therefore he's not getting the opportunities that the stars get. The only thing I was I was guessing at, and and this is what I'm I'm hoping, I'm hoping that the BCC and Jericho Appreciation Society are done, that this is now going to be a start a new direction, and I'm I'm honestly hoping that we do see maybe a BCC versus a Team Kingston feud, that the rift now becomes well Claudio's now with them. You, you know, Moxley, I thought we were friends. You see what he's doing. He's kind of trying to cause some trouble between us. Spin the conspiracy like that. And then maybe set up another six-man tag. Well, we, we'll probably find out this week because I know that uh, Eddie Kingston threw out the challenge to Chris Jericho for Dynamite this week. Yeah. Because he didn't get enough of a piece of him during Blood and Guts, which is true. So he said, uh, now you can't run for me. Since we got the win, I want you. So I'm assuming – since they listen to fans, that we're going to get Kingston versus uh, Jericho. Jericho this week on Dynamite. Could be wrong. 
Also, yeah. we got to rake Chris Jericho out somehow because remember he's going on tour with Fozzy. Yeah. So this would be a perfect way to do it. I just, you know, it, it's just kind of puzzling what's going to happen, and I'm just, I'm fearing that this isn't the end of the feud. Like this is supposed to be a blow off match with blood and guts. If this is just kind of the segue point to get to another match, I don't think we're going to do BCC versus JAS anymore. I hope not. I think we're going to get a. I think we got closure to that. Mm-hmm. In my honest opinion, I think that we'll get closure to the Kingston Jericho stuff. I think it was done intentionally. Uh, however, they could also use that as a storyline. Maybe Claudio costs Kingston the match against Jericho. Who knows? Yeah, I can see. I think I'm going to carry that out. I do think it's a little weird that. Uh, Pretty much, and Eddie Kingston kind of confirmed this as much because he uh, he said, I'm not going to explain everything between me and Claudio. Here's this video from a YouTuber. Uh, and basically the video was of his feud with Claudio from Chikara mm-hmm. circa 2009 to 2011. Yeah. So we're, we're drawing inspiration from this feud in AEW from Chikara. Which sounds really fucking weird if you know anything about Chikara. Yeah, I was going to say, this, hearing Chikara's name come around, I was like, hmm. Yeah, but at the same time, there were some great matches down there, especially oh, sure, between absolutely. Claudio and Eddie Kingston. Yeah. Uh, a little cartoony for other things, but, uh, you know, that's just how it works out. Yeah, it is what it is down there. If you rem- if anybody mm-hmm. doesn't know Chikara, Chikara uh, was uh, basically their gimmick was they were built out of comic book. Yep. So they had a lot of uh, wrestlers who were luchadors because mm-hmm. it was kind of American lucha. Yep. And they had regular, you know, Eddie Kingston was there. He wasn't in a gimmick. And Claudio Castagnoli was there as Claudio Castagnoli. But you had a lot of guys like, you know, uh, the, the the Colony, mm-hmm. which was all the ants. Uh, of course, Orange Cassidy. Yep. At one point, Juncture was one of the ants. We did not even talk about Orange Cassidy on Dynamite. We, we can do that right now. If you go ahead. Finally, they fixed one of the biggest mistakes ever. He now has his indie theme back. I marked out like a madman. I got done taping ODPH, and I immediately cranked that up. He came out to Jane. All is right in the world. I know you're excited about it, but honestly, the Pixie song was really growing on me. You know, it was, but I'm just like. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I get it, and I like Jane, but I, I I don't know. For some reason, the Pixie song was growing on me. So when I, when I came out, I was just like, ah, oh, fuck, it's not. Uh. See, it would have been better if they could have got done for Forbidden Door because I think that crowd would have popped even better. Yeah, the crowd still popped for. Yo, it popped, but I think it was in Chicago. I mean, I think the I think the more shocking stuff was the the repackaging of Luchasaurus with the Kane music. Yeah, it kind of was Kane esque. I'm sorry. Yo, yeah, it was. And I mean, my opinion. Yeah, (laughs) I hope that he doesn't have the same views as Kane because. I don't wish that upon anybody, but uh, (laughs) but I thought he looked great in the ring, though. Yeah, I like that they're doing something heelish with Luchasaurus. He looked like a badass. No, he definitely did. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen in that feud. So like I said, that first hour, there was good stuff. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I just was more focused on the actual blood and guts match because that was the bread and butter. That was the creme de la creme. Oh, yeah. But still, I, I had to mention that. I mean, I got to say the whole TBS title stuff was a little overbooked. Yeah. And mind you, I'm a big Jade Cargo. Love fan, Jade. As we all know. Love Jade. And I like everybody involved. I like Chris Statlander. Mm-hmm. I like Athena. I'm not sure who this newer girl was, but she did good in the match. Yeah. And, you know, whatever's going on with the baddie section, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Although this is a perfect opportunity on the last day of uh, the last Dynamite of Pride Month to have Sonny Kiss be a part of the fucking baddies. Whatever. Yeah. Fully agree with you. Save that, that for a different time. 
but you don't understand. <laughs> we, we're, we're looking into new young talent that people might know. What about the talent you had signed? Agreed. Fully agree with you on that, man. But I think Dynamite this week was a hit overall. No, I'm going to say if I, the worst segment was the TBS title match, outside of that, I thought we got some really good shit. Yeah. I really did. I, thought, I enjoyed the Blood and Guts match. I enjoyed Lucha. The, I mean, I know it was a fucking squash, but that's what I want to see for my Luchasaurus. Yeah, I agree with you, too. That's what I want to see. That yeah. was cool. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I enjoyed Orange Cassidy's match along with the Jane entrance. Although, yeah. like I said, the other one was growing on me for some reason. Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, I didn't mean to get sidetracked with Shakara there, but I was like, I just – No, no, the no. Minute well, you, I mean, you Orange Cassidy, Cassidy Chikara, like, I don't need to go – if people want to go down the, the rabbit hole of Chikara, then so be it. Yeah. My only piece of that that I would say is fuck Mike Quackenbush. Mm-hmm. Reasons. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, uh, no, I thought Dynamite was phenomenal this week. Hopefully they can keep it up. It's coming from Rochester, New York this week. Yes. About three hours north of us. So uh, we're not going. No. No, because, well, I can't get up there and come back and work and fucking, because I have work the next day. So do I. That was the whole reason why. Because, man, those shows run late. Yep. <laughs> like, we'd, we'd be leaving there at midnight, not getting home until 3 or 4. Because I have to make a couple stops because there's no way I'm driving straight through. Because that's a horrible drive, by the way. Yeah, it is. Horrible drive. For those of you who live in the 607, you know getting to Rochester sucks. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So that's the reason why. But I'll be watching it. Yeah, we'll be watching it. I heard our friend Sean Carr might even be on Dark Elevation. Rumor has it. Maybe. Possibly. Just put the positive energy out there. Hopefully he is. Yes. Hopefully. I wish our friend Super B would be on it, too. I, I'd say I'd like to see. Shout outs. Some of our local 607 talent make a, an appearance on the show. Go make some run-ins in Rochester, baby. Yep. That's what I'm talking about. Let's do it. Yeah. Anyways, I digress. Let's get off of being homers for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, overall, like I said, Dynamite was good. So that being said, that is going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of 607TWS. But before we go, Ken M, once again, tell these fine folks how to find you and the ODPH podcast. Very simple. Swing on over to ODPHpodcast.com. Join the conversation on our social media accounts. New blogs are on the Parley Points section, and you definitely want to check out the Blogs Count Anywhere companion piece to this podcast you're listening to right now. Friends of the show can be found at the classified section, such as 8122 Productions and Dragon Master Games, too. Got to plug those guys as well. Uh, the directory where if we're not on your favorite podcast provider, let us know and we try getting it on there for you. We have a lot of links up there, so it's easy to follow, subscribe, and interact with the ODPH. Keep it simple. 8122productions.com for all the information. T Public Store link's there. Twitch channel link is there. Patreon.com slash 8122productions link is there. $1 a month helps support the show. Uh, what else we got? We got friends of the show. Like the ODPHpodcast.com. Hey. Like SciFiHorrorFest.com. Check that out. August 26th and 27th coming right around the corner. Uh, we also have the musical section, which we mentioned earlier. Plus, on top of that, the local sponsors, including Rex Tarot's Auto Detailing and Dragon Master Games. www.dragonmastergames.com. You don't have to do the W's, but I just think it's funny. Yeah. I didn't go in the old HTTP thing that Diesel does. That's all Diesel. We, we're yeah. trying to convince him that you don't need to do that anymore. But then again, he's upset that the Internet Explorer went away, too. So... <laughs> That is how old he is. With that being said, though, uh, all that and more, 8122productions.com. Of course, hit us up on any social media, 3 Fat Nerds Pod. Throw it at in front of it if you must. Speaking of bands, before we go into the actual close of the show, at the end of the show, we always play our good friend Second Suitor, and their song is called One Winged Angel. That's what we play every week. The ode to the cleaner Kenny Omega and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Perfect uh, way to end the show each and every week. 
But we got some interesting information about an event that we knew was coming up, but now is more official. Uh, we have Suter Slam 2. Ken M, tell us more about Suter Slam 2. So Suter Slam 2 is going to be taking place live at the X in Johnson City, New York, if you are living in the 607. And it will be taking place on Friday, August 12th. And tickets are eight, only $8.00. So you can get them right now on secondsuitermerchtable.myshopify.com. I will put the link in odphpodcast.com as soon as we're done recording this episode. But the big news is not only do you get some live second suitor going on, there is a wrestling match going on. And this is now stemming from last year's second suitor slam that now Tyler Reed, friend of, of 607 Podcast. And the lead singer. And the lead singer of Second Suitor. Will be make to quote the press release. Will be making his professional wrestling debut as he teams with his cousin, the Hybrid Sean Carr, to take on the villainous team of Garrett Holiday and Axel Lennox. So, for more information on that, second suitor on Facebook, definitely keep your eyes out for that. And if you're living locally, you want to go see some good music and a wrestling match because you know Tyler can go in the ring. This will be a fun night to get down. There you go. Just make sure you support our good friend, Second Suitor. Uh, with that being said, before we play the music and get out of here, I would like to once again reiterate uh, uh, for all of the, our fans and friends in the United States, have a very safe and lovely 4th of July because this is coming out that day. Uh, also, for our friends internationally, I hope you guys have an awesome week as well. We will be back on twitch.tv slash 607 podcast next week at our normal time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Monday. Back on live. Join the chat. Don't worry. Just one weekend, week hiatus. We'll be back talking all things pro wrestling. But until then, for myself, for Ken M, we have to just say, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And most importantly, later wrestling fans.
Top ropes, one, two. 